Welcome to Momentum Church. All right. Good morning, Momentum family. Woo! Can we just take a second right now and just give some praise to God, seriously? Come on, y'all. The living Son of God, Jesus Christ, we get to serve, we get to worship Him. Thank you, Jesus, right? Woo! Sorry, I did not mean to come up here and Ric Flair today. But, <laughs> well, good morning. My name is Tyler Wilkes. Some of you may not recognize me because you've never seen me up here before. This is my first time preaching, so please, please be kind, okay? Hopefully, Monday, I'll still have a job. <laughs> And then some of you may not recognize me because I have two less eyes and I'm not wearing a hat. Like, seriously, I have some friends that I'll, I'll like, walk up to without a hat on, and they would be like, you have hair? And it, it's my life, right? So I, I am the youth pastor here at Momentum, and I have the privilege and honor of, of serving your students, Equipping the next generation, right? Because that, that's what I believe we are doing here, right? As a, as a youth pastor, it is my job to equip your students to take the gospel into, the school, into their schools and eventually into the world. We're not, we're not raising children, right? We're raising future adults. And we want them to have a major impact on this world for the kingdom. And a lot of times when, when I think about youth ministry, I have to think back right, to my childhood, and that can be a good thing, or it can be an unfortunate thing sometimes, and I, I was a weird kid, what, yeah, right, thanks, thanks, Pastor Corey, was any, anybody in here a weird kid, thank you, thank you for admitting it, thank you for making me feel at home, as you guys always do, and so I, I think back, and as a kid, I, I craved relationship, right, I craved friendship so much that I would do the goofiest and as a king's to try and get friends. And I would make jokes of everything. And as a kid, I, I didn't have this adult perspective of, you know what, maybe socially this isn't something I should say right now. Like I would make really weird like bird noises like, you know. I still do that, don't I, Pastor Corey? Every time he comes in the office, I'm, I start going, I'm sorry. I'm making a fool of myself. Whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so I would crave these relationships, right? And so it would get to the point where if I was just acting normally, it would be okay. But as soon as I was like, oh, I got to make this person laugh so that they'll like me more, things would start getting a little weird. It would get awkward for people. And then I remember in about fifth grade, I started showing interest in girls. Can I get an uh-oh? Uh-oh. Right? You see right there, usually it's like, can I get an amen? But that is not a spot for an amen. <laughs> and so there was this one girl in particular that I, I was fond of, right? And, and back then, we didn't have text messaging. We didn't have cell phones. And so you know what I did? I wrote a note. And in this note, I said, I was like straight into the point. Like I always, my wife always gets on to me. Like I'll, I'll write like birthday cards and stuff and I'll be like, happy birthday. I love you. This is your age, Tyler. And she's like, it's like a robot wrote that. 
And so in this note, it said, will you go out with me? Yes or no? Right? And, and, I, and I put it, little boxes, right? Assuming that somehow she would have a pencil on her. I mean, it was at school, so I guess it was a safe assumption. But anyway, the way that our lunchroom worked is we would finish our food, we would take our trays, and we would walk down this aisle, and we would hand our food in, or our tray in to the lunch lady, and they would clean everything, right? And her tick is being smooth always along this line, so I was like, I'm going to be smooth, right? Because being smooth always works well. I was a goofy child. I was also a clumsy child, right? So I end up getting in the line, and I'm like just going to like Rico Suave this note like right onto her table in front of her, right? And so as I'm doing this, I tilt the tray, and everything that's on my tray falls onto the ground, like silverware and all, and it just like makes a loud noise, and so I'm trying to pick everything up, and I put the note down flippantly, and as I'm getting in, I, I take a look back, and her friend next to her got this note. I didn't put a name on this note. And so they're all giggling right now, and I'm just like, Trying to point, like, I'm looking back, and the whole time, I'm in, like, a field of view until we get out of the lunchroom with her. And I'm trying to point, like, no, give it to her, give it to her, <laughs> this whole time. And it was just such an embarrassing moment for me, right? I was ashamed. I couldn't even, I couldn't even get her to sign my yearbook at the end of the year. I was so embarrassed. I got my buddy Richard. I said, Richard, I know this thing has my name in it. Actually, I didn't consider that. But... <laughs> I said, will, will you go get her to sign the yearbook for me? And so she's like, sees everybody being like, Hags, Tyler, or, you know, Kiss, what is it? I don't, I don't even remember what it was. Cats, oh, I can't say that. Um, but anyway, so that was such an embarrassing situation for me. Fast forward two years past then, you know, I'm thinking back to like being a youth pastor, thinking back to how I was as a kid, right? And I, I lose that fear of talking to girls, and me being the kid that I was, I didn't go like a middle ground with where it was like, oh, I should establish healthy friendships in my life with my peers, right? It was more like, I need a girlfriend so bad, right? And I didn't care who it was. I was like, if I want somebody, if I want to feel liked, if I want to feel value, I need a girlfriend, so I start on a Monday, and I go up to a girl, and I say, hey, will you be my girlfriend? She goes, no? What are you talking about, no? And it, like, side note here, you're in middle school. What are you going to do with a boyfriend or girlfriend at that age, right? Your parents are going to pick you up. Maybe you go to the movies. Maybe you get some Whoppers. Anybody else like Whoppers? No, I know. Like, so many people do not like Whoppers. I love them. And so every year Halloween comes around, I, get, I eat so many Whoppers that I make myself sick, right? Anyway, but not the hamburger. People are handing out. I'm not, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to like Halloween parties and people are handing out <laughs> Burger King. Come on, guys. Come on. Chocolate with a malt inside of it or whatever it is. It's magic. Whatever it is, it's magic, right? Because as soon as that chocolate melts, it's just like, mmm, delicious. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Oh, this is my life. This is my brain. This is my life. Welcome to my brain. I'm sorry in advance. Anyway, 
Monday comes around. Tuesday, different girl. Will you be my girlfriend? No. Okay. Wednesday, will you be my girlfriend? No. Thursday and Friday, so five girls in one week. Five of them in one week, right? Did any of them say yes to me? No. And so Monday comes around, and, and one of the girls comes up to me. They, they were all my friends, too, which is so dumb of me, right? And the girl comes up to me, and she says, you know, Tyler, if you would have asked one of us and, you know, gone and lick your wounds when we said no, it probably, you know, you may have had a chance with maybe number two or number three, but it got to the point at number five that we realized that you didn't even care who we were. You didn't care who you were going to be in a relationship with. You just wanted a girlfriend so you could make yourself feel better. And it's funny because I, I take a look back at my life, and we can laugh about those things, right, when we were kids, that we did all these stupid things. And I can look back now and laugh at that. I'm, I've been married for five years now to a beautiful, beautiful woman who cracks me up and also holds me accountable and keeps me in my place. And the crazy thing is what was hidden to me in that moment, it was visible to others, right? We've been talking about dragons in this series, right? Today, we're going to talk about hidden dragons. We're going to talk about those things that we react certain ways or we act certain ways, and we think that our actions are a reflection of our, of our heart, and they are, but, but that's not the dragon, right? We're talking about hidden dragons. And I didn't realize in this moment that what I was doing was I was, I was feeding this dragon of misplaced value, right? This insecurity that I had to where in order for me to be valued and to seem like I was worth anything, I had to be in a relationship. And it was cute then, but fast forward 15 years, I just did still trying to, to find value. Fast forward 15 years in, in a marriage, still trying to, to find value from your spouse, right? And things get pretty frustrating, don't they? Because our spouses are never meant to, to bring us life. They're never meant to bring us value. And maybe you can think back as a kid to some of your insecurities, right? And you learn through life, we learn to kind of cope with those things. We learn to kind of bury them a little bit. But have we dealt with that dragon? Everyone has a hidden dragon, whether you recognize yours or not. And in order to defeat your dragon, you have to recognize your dragon. Maybe you struggle to be accepted by others. Maybe you, you struggle with anger and rage and you don't know why. Maybe you're extremely jealous. Maybe you're plagued by lust and you think, there's no hope for me. No matter what your hidden dragon is, it's there. And unless you recognize it, there's no way that you can have victory over it. And today we're going to take a look at an, a, a, an event in Scripture, right? Because a lot of times, whether we mean to or not, we look at Scripture and we think, oh, it's a story. And in that 
enables us to kind of take away the personal element of these things, right? But if we look at it as an event, as these things that are happening to real people, it can give us a different perspective. And so we're going to, if you'll stand, we're going to read God's word today. We're going to start in Genesis 4. And I'm going to take some water because I've got cotton in my mouth. That's another thing I do. I point out the obvious and then whatever. (laughs) All right, Genesis 4. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. You know that the the name Cain means, like translates to gotten. I'm like, what in the world? Okay, sorry. I'm all about name meanings, and that one just doesn't make sense to me. Um, Has gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel, so Cain was very angry in his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. You guys can be seated. Cain has a very obvious hidden dragon, doesn't he? We all see it. Like, at this point, has has he done anything yet? No. He's got a hidden dragon of anger. And the only physical result of of that anger that we see right now is a scowl, right? It says, in in some translations, it says that his his countenance fell, which is just like he was all cool, and then he was like, seriously? Right? And he he starts to, to look at Abel in anger. But where did this hidden dragon come from, right? Because we can't just assume, which I think we do a lot of times, we just look at these things as, as, oh, this is evil and this is good, right? We look at Cain as like, oh, Cain was just, he was just possessed from day one, right? Lord help little baby Cain, right? But I feel like there has to be something in in Scripture that points to, to why maybe he, he was so angry at his brother. And so to do that, we've got to look back at Genesis 3. Now, Adam and Eve, they, they listen to the serpent in the garden. We, most of us know this story, right? They listen to the serpent. Eve takes a bite. Adam is like, well, I guess I will too. And he takes a bite of it. And, and God kicks them out of the garden of Eden and addresses the serpent's sin first then he addresses Eve, and then he goes to Adam, and this is what he says to Adam. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. I usually don't sweat when I eat bread, but you got to sweat to make it, I guess. 
till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, if, if I can take some liberty here, we can kind of take a seat in the perspective of Cain. We've just found out that Cain, he works from the ground, right? And what do we just find from Genesis 3? What, what was brought upon the ground? A curse, right? So everything that Cain puts his plow to is cursed. Everything he has to do, he works hard for. He's sweating day in and day out, trying to make something of this curse. And he looks over at his brother, prancing in the fields with his sheep. Who of you in here would be able to do that and not look at least down on the person over here, right? That it seems everything is going so well for them. I would have trouble with that. But Cain made one big mistake. See, Cain, he confused his dungeon with his dragon. And some of you are like, oh, dungeon and dragon, all right, okay. D&D. Anyway, he thought the cursed land was the issue, but it wasn't, right? He thought his brother was the issue, but he wasn't. And he thought what his offering was was the issue, but it wasn't. His dungeon was his circumstance, but his dragon was his heart. When looking at your dragon, don't confuse the dungeon with the dragon. We do it all the time, don't we? We look at the hand that we've been dealt thinking, what, what could God ever do with this? We look in the bank account thinking, what could God ever do with what I have? And what we do is instead of asking that question to God, we look to other people. We think, man, they seem like they really have it together. They seem like life is so easy. And this is what I got. I might as well just not even worry about it. Right? God can't use it, so I'm not even going to give it to them. But I hate you over here because your life is so easy. You're miserable at work, feeling unnoticed. Well, giddy old Karen... Karen. Respect the drip, Karen. Oh, Karen is over here. That's for the youth. Anyway. So giddy old Karen is over here loving life. She's getting promoted left and right. And you're, you're working hard, right? So what, do we, what do we do to Karen? We look down on her, don't we? Or maybe you're frustrated with your spouse because they don't make you feel the same way they used to. It's their job to make you feel great. It's their job to bring you value. And what comes next? Jealousy? Justification? I have a right to feel this way. I have a right to act this way. And then action. 
So we, we look at our hearts. Are, are we that different from Cain in these situations? We think our dungeon, our dragon is our circumstance, but we've only found the dungeon. And God saw Cain's heart. He saw that dragon and when he said, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? And he, he tries to correct Cain in this moment. He says, look, man, there's something bad coming and I'm trying to warn you. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. God saw Cain's heart. And God sees our heart, and he has the same warning for us, right? We have warnings in God's word scattered throughout Scripture. We have God's Holy Spirit inside of us, warning us, right? Stirring inside of us, telling us, hey, guess what? There's something coming. You probably should avoid this, right? But what do we do? So many times, we resort to those dragons, don't we? And a lot of times, like you, you think like folklore and stuff like that, you see a dragon and it's not just one generation that suffers under this dragon, is it? Usually that torment comes generation after generation after generation. And, and I'd like to think, like, you know, we're thinking about this folklore, but it really translates to spiritual life, doesn't it? This idea of dragons, that's kind of what, you know, we haven't been actually talking about dragons, this whole time, have we? No. It's a metaphor. <laughs> and so in the same way, sometimes the dragons that we deal with are generational. They're things that have tormented our families for years. You look back and, and you see the same decisions and patterns being made generation after generation. And we call these things generational curses and some of you are like, oh, oh no, whoa, I am not cursed. I am covered by the blood of the lamb. Right? Sure, okay, that's fine. We won't, we won't call those generational curses then. But you see the patterns, right? You've heard stories of your parents, you've heard stories of your grandparents, and you, you start to see those same patterns in your own lives. Maybe for you, it's, it's a dragon of greed. Maybe it's a dragon of sickness. Maybe it's a dragon of alcoholism. Maybe it's a dragon of jealousy. Maybe it's a dragon of infidelity. Or maybe it's a dragon of hate. It has to stop. Because there's a dragon tormenting young people across the U.S. at an alarming rate. And I, and I hate 
to bring it to this today, but we need to address it as a church. We need to address it with our families. The dragon, depression, and suicide that is snuffing out young lives. And what we like to do is we like to look at our kids and we like to think, oh, oh, no, my, my kid could never deal with that. But we won't check their phones, we won't check their social media to see maybe who's contacted them, maybe the things that are being said about them or to them. We've got a whole bold world of, of teenagers that love to just hide behind a screen and attack. They would never say these things to your kid's face but they sure will type it on a computer. Maybe even as an adult, you've dealt with the same thing or you know somebody who has. And I would love to sit here today and say that in Cherokee County, we have not suffered this same thing. But over the past month, we've had two student deaths by suicide in our county. One was a high school student who tragically took his life, but the other one was a sixth grade girl. Sixth grade. It has to stop. But here's the thing even through tragedy, there is restoration, there is healing. Their torment and your torment won't last forever because there is a dragon slayer. Let me say that again. There is a dragon slayer. And we need to know him fully to have victory over our dragons. Somebody who will fight for us that goes all the way to the dungeon that takes that victory for us. And we find that dragon slayer in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And some of you may be sitting here today but, and say, but that's great and all. You know, we read that. But where's my victory? Just because... You say this, it doesn't mean it's true for me. Let's take a look here, Luke 24, 1 through 6. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were there perplexed, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Amen. He has risen. We serve a living God. My question to you is, why, why do we try and fight 
our battles as if Jesus is still in the grave. So many times in my life, it's like there's, there's a, a, a memory block, right? I've read it. I've seen it. But I'll go through a challenging circumstance and be like, oh, man, how am I going to get through this one? We serve a living God. We can see victory over depression. And, and I want to make a side note here. There are clinical types of these things that we may need to go see a doctor and seek help for as well. And I don't want to discount that today, okay? Please, please don't get that from this message. I'm not saying just stop taking something that has been prescribed to you because that is a help as well. But, but don't give up on seeking that restoration. Victory over broken relationships, victory over hate, and victory in the hearts and minds of the next generation that is just struggling to hold on right now. Victory in the living God. And so if you could all bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to talk to two people today. And first is maybe, maybe you have never considered that your actions are, are from something deeper inside of you, right? You wonder why you do the things that you do. And you've never taken a look inside your own heart to seek that out. I ask you today, will you be bold enough to raise your hand so I can pray for you? Lord, I just thank you so much today, God, that, the, that there's some people that this is the first time they've considered this, and Lord, I pray that you open their eyes. Lord, as, as David prayed, search my heart and know me. It's uncomfortable, God, but it is so necessary for healing. And the second group of people I'm talking to today, people that this, maybe you, maybe you know that there's something deep inside of you that, that keeps coming up, right? And you've struggled trying to, to fight that dragon yourself this entire time. And you want to say that today is the last day that I suffer under this dragon. Will you be bold enough to raise your hand? Amen. All over the room. All over the room. Everybody that is raising. Lord, with everybody that has raised their hands today, God, I just pray. Lord, that you just bring healing. Lord, that we understand and we, we grasp on to the fact that you are risen. You sent your Holy Spirit to comfort us, to lead us, to give us wisdom. I pray that we, we seek that out and we lean on that wisdom. I pray today, Lord, with, with anybody struggling with brokenness, God, that they see you in their lives begin to pick up those pieces. Lord, as, as they see that dragon begin to, to rise up 
and start to come and bring destruction, God, that they say, Jesus, help me. Lord, we give all of these things up to you today. We just pray all this in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.